0: of Sioux Falls Office of Adult Faith Formation. This is the Prairie Rome Companion with Dr. Chris Bergwald. Hello, and welcome to episode two of the Prairie Rome Companion podcast, a production of the Adult Faith Formation Office with the Catholic Diocese of Sioux Falls in South Dakota. My name is Dr. Chris Bergwald, and today we're going to be looking at the question: Why be Catholic? What I want to do, though, before we get into the topic, is just give you my contact information in case, you already are, in case you don't already have it. The phone number, if you have any questions or comments about this or any other podcast, podcast episode, is 605-988-3763. And my email address is cbergwald at sfcatholic.org. That's C B U R G w a l d at s as in sioux f as in falls catholic.org and as i've said in the past i welcome any and all uh questions or comments about this the the, the Prayer rome companion podcast and about the episodes that, uh, that we are producing uh, the doctrines that we'll be touching on the issues we'll be addressing if you have a question or comment please do not hesitate to uh, give us a call or send us an email. Uh, this this particular presentation, why be Catholic is a two parter. Uh, my goal is to make each podcast each episode rather of the podcast roughly thirty minutes long and This is a presentation that i 've given before uh, it usually lasts about an hour so i 'm going to break it roughly in half and talk about try to answer this question in uh, not a completely thorough way, but in a way that hopefully will give you a good sense of the Catholic understanding for being Catholic. Okay? Now, as the you, the listener, probably knows, there are roughly one billion Catholics in the world today. There are about one billion people who identify themselves as Catholic or Roman Catholic alive on the earth today. The Catholic Church has existed for just short of 2,000 years It is, and it's recognized as the oldest institution, oldest continual institution in existence in the world. The Catholic Church has outlived innumerable kings, nations, and empires. We've been around, uh, the Catholic Church has been around longer than any other institution or similar entity uh, in the world today. But why? Why? Is the Catholic Church? Why does the Catholic Church exist? and just as importantly, why do the people who belong to it belong to it? Why do those of us who are Catholic belong to the Catholic, Catholic, belong to the Catholic Church? In other words, why are we Catholic? Why be Catholic? Now there are all sorts of attitudes and answers that are possible with regard to religious questions, with regard to the bigger questions in life, the, li- the questions about destiny, the questions about existence. Why am I here? Uh, why do I exist? What is the goal of my life, the goal of my existence? Is there an afterlife? Is there a God? The, these, the, the bigger questions, so to speak. Of course, uh, within Christianity, we have the various Protestant churches, communities, and traditions, as well as the Eastern Orthodox churches. And then there are the Eastern religions. Uh, Hinduism and Buddhism and Confucianism are some of the more predominant examples. Uh, Really, any variety of belief system, even an atheistic belief system, is is a response to what you can consider the religious questions. You know, if, if somebody asks the question, "Does God exist?" and if your answer is no, in a sense, you are holding to a religious belief. You're holding to a belief with regard to a religious question. Of course, most atheists wouldn't describe themselves as religious. They they oftentimes would call themselves irreligious. But in, in the broad sense of understanding religion as one's attitude or one's answers to the larger questions about life, when one understands religion that way, we see that everybody, in fact, is religious one way or another. And there, are, again, there are all sorts of, of atheistic belief systems, uh, secular humanism, existentialism, and so on. And a lot of times these can even overlap. In other words, somebody can hold more of them at once. Now, of course, if you don't like any of these particular belief systems, you can always make up your own. Uh, I suppose it would be possible for me to establish the First Church of Chris instead of the First Church of Christ, but somehow I doubt that I'd have a fairly, or I I think I'd have a fairly small congregation. So with all these answers out there, especially in a free society like our own here in the U.S. and other places where there is religious freedom, with all these options, why be Catholic? Why should somebody be Catholic? All right. Now, I'm going to first discuss some possible answers, which I, I consider, uh, in one way or another, inadequate. In other words, there's some truth to them, but but I, I would argue that they're insufficient. They're ultimately inadequate to answering the question, why be Catholic? There's got to be more to it than these particular answers provide. One very good, if perhaps somewhat insufficient answer, is... Uh, as to why be catholic is the beauty of church art and church music there are definitely people and i am among them who are very attracted to and attracted by the artistic qualities of the catholic church the the artistic heritage uh, which which the catholic church uh possesses the the artistic patrimony of the catholic church uh, there is a great deal of beauty in in the church's Heritage um, that, that is again very attractive to many people. Many people have drawn been drawn closer to, if not within, the church because of the beauty of the church's art, architecture, music, and so on. However, I ar- I would argue that the church's the beauty of, of the physical beauty of the church, the beauty of the church's art, music. Music and architecture and so on is itself not enough of an answer to the question why be Catholic. Another more common answer to the question why be Catholic is well, my spouse is Catholic. Many people become who many people who weren't raised Catholic become Catholic because their spouse is Catholic, and this is again definitely a good thing, uh, especially when it comes to raising the kids. If you have to Catholic parents, it just makes life a lot easier and and those of you who maybe are in mixed marriages where one one parent is Catholic and the other is not know what i 'm talking about it's it's usually very difficult to try to sort out how the kids are going to be raised with regard to uh religious questions when you have parents of of different Christian beliefs or Christian and other beliefs okay um, again though the to become Catholic because your spouse is Catholic, I I would say is definitely a very good thing. Uh, and, and there's no, to me, there's no question about that. However, again, I don't think it's enough. Ultimately, I think ultimately becoming Catholic because my spouse or my fiance is Catholic is ultimately, um, inadequate. Probably the most common answer to the question why be Catholic is because, uh, well, that's what I was raised. And this is true for me. I, uh, Well, in a sense, I am Catholic, partly, at least, because I was raised Catholic by my parents. Most of us who are Catholics were raised Catholic, and that's why we continue to be Catholics. And again, this is a good thing. It's very important that parents raise their children in the faith. Uh, Parents, the church is very clear on this, parents are the first or primary educators of their children with regard to the faith. They are the primary catechists, in a sense, uh, of their children. When, just a brief tangent here, when when parents send their kids to a catechist program, a CCD program at their local parish, they are entrusting, or rather, they're enlisting the the parish and its catechist program in their own work of catechizing their parents. In other words, they're, they're asking for assistance from the parish, and they're, they're calling upon the resources that the parish has to offer. Now, in some cases, this is, it's easy to see why this is the case. Not all of us are, are, are probably the greatest teachers. Uh, we're all called to live, and one of the, the best ways, uh, the, maybe, maybe the primary way that parents catechize their kids is by living out their faith, by living, being a living witness Of and to Jesus Christ, Pope Paul VI in one of his documents on evangelization, on spreading the gospel, talks about how the best teachers are witnesses. Or he says more, more, um, more verbatim: witnesses make the best teachers. So those who are teaching another about others about their faith are, are the best teachers when they witness to their faith, when they live out their faith in their lives. And this is definitely true with regard to parents and their children. Uh, in, in most cases, uh, parents catechize, in one way at least, by their example of faith, by living the life of faith themselves. And the children see this that, and it's a model for them. Parents are, are modeling what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, what it means to be a faithful Catholic to their kids at the same time not all parents are able to give that explicit doctrinal presentation to their kids now hopefully they're able to do that but that's just not a possible not not possible in some instances and therefore they they call upon the parish and the parish catechetical program to help catechize their children uh, within the more doctrinal nature of the of, of the faith the the uh, the content of catechesis the doctrinal content of catechesis so they, what they're doing though again, I just want to make this clear is they're enlisting the parish to help them they are not giving their kids they're they're not absolving themselves of their responsibility to catechize their children uh, I fear that sometimes, at least that that's the case, that parents think that their responsibility as far as catechizing their children is concerned is is fulfilled or is met uh, when they drop them off on Wednesday night or Sunday morning for CCD, and that's definitely not the case. Maybe not every parent is able to, uh, maybe even most parents are able to give that uh, doctrinal catechesis. Uh, but every parent should always remember that they are the primary catechists, and at least by their witness, by their modeling, by themselves being a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ, they are catechizing their children. Okay, so now, end of tangent. Uh, again, most I think, or in, in the case of many Catholics, they're Catholics because that's the faith in which they were raised. Uh, but when you're trying to answer the question, why be Catholic, again, this answer is also insufficient. Now, again, as I said at the outset here, and as I, hopefully I've tried to make clear, all of these answers do have some element of truth in them. All of them do say something which is true about why somebody should be Catholic. In other words, they're not wrong answers. Um, they are correct. They're just incomplete. There's more that needs to be said, uh, there, there's a to give a, a correct response to the question "Why be Catholic?" You need to say more uh, than these, what I called incomplete or inadequate or partial answers. So, what is that? What is the reason then? The, what's the full reason for being Catholic? For answering the how do you answer "Why be Catholic" in the fullest way possible? Fundamentally and essentially the only real reason we need to give when we're asked this question is this. Because it's true. Why be Catholic? Because it's true. This is the Catholic understanding. Among the various religious options that are available to us as men and women, as human beings, Catholicism alone possesses the fullness of truth and means of salvation. Catholicism alone possesses the fullness of truth A means of salvation. Now, notice what I said here, because this is an issue that is often misunderstood uh, by Catholics and others. I said that Catholics that Catholicism possesses the fullness of truth and means of salvation. That doesn't mean that other Christian churches or even other religions are simply wrong or false. You can't just say the Catholic Church has the fullness of truth and means of salvation, and everybody else is wrong. it's, It's not that simple. Why? Because other Christian churches and even other religions contain, tr- in, in most cases do, and at least can possibly contain truths within their own beliefs. Okay, uh, Think of other religions. Um, Islam, for instance. Islam is a monotheistic religion. Islam says there is only one God. That is true. There is at least that piece of truth present in Islam. Okay, And when you're talking about other Christian churches— other Christian traditions, they contain a, contain a great deal of truth. Uh, they believe in Jesus Christ and his divinity, and that he is the second person of the Trinity, who became man for our, and died for our sins and for the salvation of of the human race. Uh, other Christian churches have the Bible. They have, usually, in most cases, at least two of the sacraments. Um, they they have usually robust prayer traditions and so on. So. There are elements of truth and elements of, of uh, means of salvation within other religions and especially within other Christian churches. And by the way, just another brief thing, when you speak of other religions, we, we, we don't speak about... Christianity is a religion, although there can be some debate about that, which I don't want to get into right now. Some some Christian theologians would say that you shouldn't describe Christianity as revolution. Uh Sorry as a religion. But that discussion aside, just using the common usage of the term, Christianity is one religion. I'm a Catholic Christian. A Lutheran Christian is not a member of another religion. We oftentimes, I think, refer to other Christian churches as other religions. That's a usage I think we need to get away from because we, as Catholics, recognize the 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 deep Christian faith in other Christian churches uh, and, and although as as we're talking about here we do hold that the Catholic Church alone has the fullness of truth and means of salvation the fact that we are brothers and sisters in Christ means that we are at least part of the same religion even if we're there's there's different uh, degrees of fullness of or different levels of truth among those various Christian churches okay so all Christians are members of, of the same religion. Within that you talk about the different churches or, or communities. All right. So Catholicism, among other Christian churches, among other religions, alone has the fullness of truth and means of salvation. Which means that our doctrines and 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 our, our official uh Religious practices, things like the liturgical life of the church, the sacraments, the mass, and so on. Our our beliefs are the most true. Now that sounds like a bold and some people will say even an arrogant claim. But we would hold that we we are simply recognizing um, something that God has given of us, and we recognize it as a gift. I I don't do anything to earn my Catholic faith. And, and, and there, we as Catholics, uh, I think sometimes we need to be careful that we don't come off as arrogant because we do have the fullness of truth and means of salvation, because there isn't any room for, for arrogance. Uh, we have to humbly uh, recognize our faith and, and the, the fullness of truth that it possesses as a gift from God. Uh, and, and thank him for that and not uh, become arrogant about it. But nonetheless, we do make the claim that we have the fullness of truth and means of salvation. So how can we say that? And how can we know this claim is actually true? Now, this is where uh, we, we need, to talk, need to talk about apologetics. And this is why apologetics is so important. Now, what is apologetics? Some of you may not have heard of it. Briefly, apologetics is the branch of theology which is concerned with explaining what we believe and why we believe it and making that explanation to others. More succinctly, apologetics is about defending and explaining our faith. And especially when it comes to the question of why be Catholic and and giving the answer that it has the fullness of truth and means of salvation. Apologetics can play a crucial role and explaining how the church can make such large uh, in a sense grandiose claims about itself. So how does this how does this work? What is what is the apologetic for the truth claims of the church? And one other thing I should mention, apologetics doesn't mean you're apologizing. To to engage in apologetics means as I said to explain or to defend our faith uh a, with regard to challenges or questions about our faith. It doesn't mean, you know, I'm, gee, I'm sorry for being Catholic, or well, I'm sorry that we uh, we pray to Mary, or I'm sorry that we believe in purgatory. That's not what apologetics is. Uh, it comes from the word apology, actually, comes it come from, comes from the Greek word that means to make an account for, to explain. Uh, it, it doesn't mean literally to express your sorrow for doing something or saying something wrong okay so what is the apologetic for the truth claims of the catholic church now there are a lot of different actually there are a lot of different ways to try to show to somebody how it is that the catholic church or why the catholic church says it has the fullness of truth and means of salvation i'm going to give one of the more common ones that's pretty straightforward now when i give it to you uh Don't expect to uh, repeat it to your friends uh, who are other Christians or or some other belief system, and uh, don't expect them to, oh, wow, gee, you're right, I should become Catholic. That's not the way, usually, 99% of the time, that's not the way that becoming Catholic works. Uh, We are uh, human beings. We are of flesh and blood. We're not uh, disembodied intellects floating around that are, are simply swayed by uh, valid uh, demonstrations or proofs. That's just not how we tend to operate. Although it can be the case in some, t- in some instances, that's not, mo- that's not how most of us operate. Uh, if you are a Catholic, you're going to hear this. And, and while I'd hope that it would be convincing to you, I am also experienced and realistic enough to know that in and of itself, it, it may not, um, it may take a little bit more let me put it that way for you to see uh, the truth of the argument. But I do want to give it to you nonetheless because I think it is valid and I think it's pretty straightforward. It begins this way. First of all, we don't know that Jesus founded a church. If you treat the New Testament, if you treat the Gospels simply as historical records, apart from the question of their inspiration, their, 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 their stance as sacred texts, if we just treat them as historical texts, we know that Jesus founded a church. Um, And we know that from secular sources as well. I mean, there there is a church that's been around uh, pretty much since the beginning of Christianity. So it had to come from somewhere, and we know that it came from Jesus. Now, Jesus promised, we know from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, that the church would be kept from error. He said that the gates of hell should not prevail against his church. One of the things that that means is that his church would never teach anything false. That means that everything his church teaches would be true, would be his teachings. Okay? He also promised, besides promising that his church would be kept from error, he also promised that his church re- would remain for all time. His church will always be present among, uh, uh, on earth. Okay. And note also he speaks about his church as in singular, not plural there is one church of Jesus Christ, not multiple churches. And in other places, in some of Paul's letters, St. Paul speaks about one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And he oftentimes refers to the church uh, in the singular. Okay, So if Jesus' church is uh, without error, teaches without error, and if it exists forever, that means it must be around today. All right. So now we look at... The churches that are around today. And we see tens of thousands of different denominations. Okay, which one of them is Jesus's? Which one of them is the one that Jesus established? There's one to be very simple way to find out. And that is to examine and try to answer the question on what did Jesus found his church? In the same chapter, where Jesus says in the in the Gospel of Saint Matthew, where Jesus says that his church will the, the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church, he says that he or he he establishes his church on S- Simon the apostle, and he changes Simon's name to Peter, which is the Greek word for rock. So Jesus basically says in Matthew sixteen to to Saint Peter, you are rock. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So the church of Jesus Christ is the church which is founded on Peter. Now, if you look at all the various churches that are around today in our time, in the year 2006, the beginning of the 21st century, how many of those churches claim Peter as the rock in which they were founded? As far as I know, the Catholic Church is the only church that makes that claim. Okay. Now that's not, a, in and of itself, that is not uh, enough evidence for the fact that the Catholic Church actually is the church established by Jesus. Maybe the real church that that Jesus built on Peter forgot that it was built on Peter. And so when you ask, you know, who of you is established by Jesus on Peter, they forgot they were established on Peter and therefore don't raise their hand or something. Um, or maybe the Catholic Church is just an error about the fact that it was founded on Peter. Maybe it really wasn't. In other words, just for the church to be the only church to claim that it was founded on Peter is not enough of, a, of an answer or enough of a claim or enough evidence for, the, to, for it to say that it really is the church of Jesus Christ founded on Peter. So what other evidence is there? Well, first and foremost, there is a direct line of succession between Peter, St. Peter, as the leader of the early church and the leader of the Catholic church today, Pope Benedict XVI. Okay, before St. Peter died, he ensured that his authority would continue. And so he ordained another man as his successor. Remember, St. Peter acted as the head of the apostles. He was their spokesman. He was the one who often answered for them. He was the one that Jesus first uh, gave the power to forgive sins to and so on. All right. So he w- was the leader of the, not the only leader, but the the primary and, and ultimate earthly leader of the early church, according to Christ's wish. And to make sure that his role continued, he ordained other another man as his successor, and that ordained another man as his successor, and so on, all the way down to Pope Benedict Sixteenth. Okay? In other words, there's a continual line of succession between St. Peter and Pope Benedict Sixteenth. Alright? Virtually every other, just looking at churches. Every other church has a separate founder. Uh, Martin Luther, John Calvin, King Henry VIII for the Anglicans, John Wesley, and so on. Only the Catholic Church can trace its spiritual history in a a very concrete way, an institutional way, all the way back to Jesus Christ himself. And we do that through the papal lineage. Before Pope Benedict, there was Pope John Paul II. Before him, there was Pope John Paul I. Before him was Paul VI. Before him was John XXIII. And so on, all the way back to St. Peter, who received his authority from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All right, so that's that's the most basic and straightforward, to me, way to show that the Catholic Church is the Church established by Jesus Christ. But there are other evidences that I do briefly want to to mention, for, for example, Jesus appointed the 12 apostles to govern the church with his own authority. And just as with Peter, the rest of the 12 appointed others to govern with the same authority that they had, and then those who were appointed did the same thing all the way down to today. Okay? In other words, you have this lineage of apostolic authority, which the apostles passed on to other men to be their successors in ministry in authority within the church. So any church that does not have apostolic lineage can m- not be the church that Jesus established. Another and I would argue that there are only there are very few claimants the Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox that meet that standard. Another uh, argument, another evidence of the fact that the Catholic Church uh, is the the church established by Jesus, is the fact that Jesus gave the 12, and therefore their successors, the power to forgive sins. In the ch- 20th chapter of the Gospel of St. John, Jesus says to the apostles, whoever sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whoever sins you, you hold bound are held bound. So he gives the authority to forgive sins to the apostles. And again, they pass that on to their successors in the ministry so any church in which the pastor does not forgive sins in the name of jesus christ cannot be christ's church also uh, if you consider the eucharist in the sixth chapter of john's gospel jesus says uh, somewhat famously whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life okay and in the the last supper narratives or stories of matthew mark and luke Jesus says, this is my body, this is my blood. In a very real and a very concrete way, Jesus uh, gave his teaching on the Eucharist, uh, demonstrating, and we'll go into this in in a future episode. But he demonstrated that he is truly present in the Eucharist. And therefore, any church which denies that Jesus is really present in the Eucharist cannot be his church. Okay, Now, there there are other examples that I could give, but those those four are sufficient. If you take those, cri- th- those examples as criteria for determining which church is Jesus' church, and you measure every church in existence today against them, you find that in the end, only one uh, passes all of the criteria. Only one has all of the criteria, which I just mentioned, and therefore only one church can be the church which jesus established there is only one church which can and does claim that peter is its rock that has apostolic succession that believes in the real presence that has ministers who forgive sins and that church is the catholic church again other churches might have some of these truths but only the catholic church has all of them so based on scripture alone we know that only the Catholic Church is the Church founded by Jesus Christ. And I should point out that there are, I'm just going to mention briefly, and then we can get into it in a future episode, but there are all sorts of historical evidences as well for the truth claims of the Catholic Church. So ultimately, we are Catholics because Catholicism is true. Not, or shouldn't be, because we're raised Catholic. Not because we love the art and music and architecture of the Church. Not just because we're married to a Catholic or not just because we happen to, quote-unquote, like some Catholic teachings. Ultimately, we should be Catholic because, because Catholicism is the faith taught by Jesus and his apostles and, and handed on down through the centuries, through the millennia. Ultimately, that is the reason. We are Catholic because Catholicism is true. However, more can be said. And that's what I want to do in the next episode, go on further. Ultimately, just saying it's true is, is in one way enough, but really we can flesh that out even more and make it more understandable for our friends and family who aren't Catholic and who want to understand why we are Catholic, why be Catholic. So I hope you will uh, tune in next time for episode 3 of the Prairie Home, Prairie Home Companion, in which I'll go on to give a further detail in answering the question why be Catholic thank you and God bless you